Hi, I'm Alex Palmer, and welcome to another episode of the Black Dog Cast, a podcast that aims to use cycling to raise awareness of mental health issues. In this episode, I'm joined by music industry executive and wellness entrepreneur Rinda Laurel, who shares her journey from addiction and depression to taking charge of her own mental health and wellness by starting a natural supplements business called Very Everyday. We talk in detail about her approach to using natural supplements as an alternative to antidepressant medications and how this enabled her to overcome her own mental health issues. We also cover the role of functional medicine and regular blood work in helping to identify underlying health issues, both mental and physical, all of which is incredibly useful whether you're dealing with mental health issues or just part of a regular healthy lifestyle. I just add that obviously I'm not a doctor and neither is Rinda. We both speak from personal experience of both prescription antidepressants and natural supplements. But if you're considering taking any sort of antidepressant, obviously check with your doctor first. So let's get to the podcast. So Rinda, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Just um, just, just to set the scene, tell us, tell us where you are right now. Where I am? Uh, I am in Joshua Tree, California, which if you've never been, please go look it up or go look for the U2 album cover. And um, it's really beautiful here. Nice, calm, serene, hot, but beautiful. Yeah, everywhere's hot right now. Um, well, listen, we got a lot of good stuff to talk about. Um, a, a lot of interesting things about brain chemistry and supplements and all that sort of stuff. But I think the most interesting thing is to hear about how you got to this because you've got a pretty interesting story. There's a bunch of rock and roll stuff in there. Um, you know, <laughs> some crazy lifestyle early on, which, um, maybe got you into a little bit of trouble that eventually led you to, to where you are now. So why don't you, why don't you tell us a bit more about that and, and how you got into this space? Um, sure. Um, I'm still in the crazy rock and roll lifestyle, uh, okay. but just in a different way. But yes, absolutely. Um, I was, you know, I always like to joke, I was born nine months after the summer of love in San Francisco. And my mom took me to see Jim Morrison in her womb when she was pregnant. And I, I like blame everything on that from here <laughs> on out. But um in all seriousness, I grew up in Southern California and I got into the music industry at a very young age. I was like working in um, like Hollywood and the Sunset Strip when I was like 18 at clubs, uh, in, you know, 18, 19 years old. And then I moved to New York in my early 20s and landed a job at a record company. And uh so yeah, there were some wild nights. And when you're when you're in the music industry, which I was and as I said, still am through lots of different years and back into wellness. Uh you're allowed to like sort of act out a little bit more than you might in other in other areas. So I had a pretty crazy lifestyle, it's true. I, you know, for many many years but what happened was I, it went from this, you know, rock and roll lifestyle to the pits of addiction. And so by the time I was 24, I was, uh, you know, using alcohol and drugs, specifically heroin by the end. So just to say like, this is no joke, it got really serious for me. And mm -hmm. uh, I hit an emotional, spiritual bottom and at, at July... Uh, July 10th, 1992 is actually my sobriety date. And I've been uh, clean and sober ever since then. And Congratulations. Thank you so much. I just celebrated 29 years, which is just absolutely out of my, like, I can't even comprehend that at all. So what I would say is that it started me on this journey. Uh, you know, I know that I used I, this isn't going to, we're going to get into mental health here because I know that I use drugs and alcohol a lot in my early days to change the way I felt and to, you know, modulate my moods. And, you know, that was a solution for a long time. And then when I got sober, I didn't know how to do that. And so on part of my, you know, path of getting and staying sober, and living that lifestyle, I was also learning how to like deal with depression and anxiety and just regular life moods that we had. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I still was having this, you know, continue this big, fabulous life in the music industry. And 
But on the other side, I was really depressed. And, you know, we didn't have, I'm so grateful for podcasts like these and other opportunities out there. There are people starting to share about this um, a lot more, but we didn't have a lot of that. And so it was a, a harder this, this struggle. This was kind of pre, pre-internet even, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 92 is when I, I guess. I remember those days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 92 is when I get sober. And um, yeah, I struggled with depression. Um, I I didn't want to go on medication. I just didn't. Um, but mm-hmm. when Kurt Cobain shot himself, honestly, I it, it triggered something in me. And I was like, okay, I don't want to go down. You know, I, I was fearful and I wanted to live a better life. And so I agreed to go on medication a doctor prescribed, um, and I was on medication for a very long time. Yeah. Uh, so, the- so was I guess was there a period there when I mean, obviously you got you got into the sort of wellness and and you know nutritional supplement business relatively recently, right? So, was was there there was a time when you were sort of in more of the I don't know the sort of traditional medicine pathway for managing depression, right? Yes, but I will say from the moment I took my first. Prozac mm-hmm. in 95, I was trying to find a solution that wasn't pharma. Right. And so I, yes, I launched Very Every Day in my company that we're going to talk about in a little bit um, in 2018. Mm-hmm. And I got off all medications in 2015. Okay. But I tell you, from 95 to 2015, I was searching for natural solutions. Yeah. And so I did all the gamut of, you know, what we now know of like mindfulness and yoga and exercise. But I also, because of who I am as a person, went on a deep dive about herbs and amino acids. And I, and I started educating myself on all these different things. Like what, what, you know, what are antidepressants? Why do they work? What what part of the brain do they work on? How do they work? Okay, well, how do you figure out how to make these... How, how else can you make those things happen with neurotransmitters without taking meds, which ultimately break your brain? But we're, we'll also talk about that in a minute. But so... Not break your brain. Let me, let me rephrase that. Um, <laughs> uh, sort of rewire or, or re- well what what happens with most antidepressants and also i want to just jump back and say i'm not anti-medication yeah. at all i think medication is very valuable it saved my life uh i was on it for a long time i do think as a country uh especially in the united states but i think also in the uk and other uh, uh western countries we're over medicated and undereducated. And, sure, yeah. and we yeah. don't know enough about what happens. But let me yeah. go back to my break the brain <laughs> comment because I want to be careful there. What a lot of the antidepressants do, the traditional ones, is they stop the uptake of neurotransmitters. And so it actually blo- blocks the normal function of a brain to ke- of, of the neurotransmitter to keep more of the neurotransmitters in the middle of the synopsis. Mm-hmm. And so it actually stopped something. And so my thing was like, well, what happens if we just do something that creates more of the neurotransfers in the first place? And that's why eventually I was constantly looking for that answer. And then I finally stumbled upon pieces of that and yeah. started my company. And, and that was that, that was something that just really happened like incrementally over this, you know, what was it? 20 odd year period where you were on the medication. Was there something in the middle there where sort of, I don't know, like the penny dropped and, it, and, and you, you know, all of a sudden this became clear that there was a, a different path. Um, yeah. In 2010, maybe, uh, I, in all the research, I read a book, I read a couple of books. One was the mood cure by Julia Ross, which talked about, um, mental health and amino acid therapy, specifically amino acid therapy. That was a pretty life-changing book for me. Um, Mm -hmm. as far as this type of stuff. Um, and then there was, um, another book by Joan Andrews, who was like, um, another natural mood source, which is the same thing about amino acid therapy and, and herbs that could help you with these 
modulating these 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 um neurotransmitters in a way that helps naturally yeah um all right why don't we just um can you just explain a little bit about what these neurotransmitters are um and what they do <laughs> and i guess in the context of of you know when people have mental health issues you know what happens when they don't work correctly um and then i guess we can also talk about then what you know what what can we do to try and um, um, sort of fix that, right? Absolutely. Uh, I want to preface this with: I am not a doctor. I that's all right. I'm not. I'm not a doctor either. <laughs> but I mean, we're getting into some doctory stuff yeah. here. So no, I'm I not it. a doctor. I I, yes, I have some certifications in like you know different wellness modalities. So I'm certified in a bunch of things. But I'm not a doctor. But I've run this conversation that I'm about to have with you through a lot of doctors to make sure that I'm not saying anything completely incorrect. So basically there are, there are a lot of, lot of factors for mood and I'm just going to talk about a few. So serotonin mm -hmm. is the neurotransmitter that we talk about the most when we talk about um, depression and anxiety and serotonin is the feel happy neurotransmitter in your body. It's created in the gut um, primarily, but your brain also, it, it's created in the body, but also in the gut. And it regulates your mood in terms of like happiness and joy. And if you don't have enough of that, you can fall into a depressive state. And so that's why a lot of antidepressants, specifically SSRIs, SSRI means serotonin, select, selective serotonin uptake inhibitor. Again, it leaves more serotonin in your brain. Uh, that's the really simple layman's way to say it. So if your serotonin's off, you don't have enough of it. They want to keep more in your body. And also serotonin uh, converts to melatonin in your, in your body, which helps you sleep. So mm -hmm. it, a lot of times, um, if you don't have enough serotonin, you, you might get anxiety. I mean, um, insomnia as well. And so a lot of pharma will give you give someone a serotonin uptake inhibitor for sleep yeah. which you know again and, and i'm, I'm guessing <laughs> the the blindingly obvious question here to me is that obviously you can't like nobody's figured out how to make serotonin so you can just take a pill that has serotonin and you have to take a pill that keeps the serotonin you have in your brain right well or <laughs> in my case you take supplements or eat foods that are the right. building blocks of serotonin Okay. So to specifically, and we're going to go over uh, two other neurotransmitters, but specifically serotonin, gut health is of primary importance. And then there are specific foods and amino acids that you can buy. 5-HTP is a specific amino acid that helps build serotonin in your brain. And then, you know, the formula I came up with to help support serotonin also has St. John's wort in it, which is almost as like a natural version of the SSRI. Mm -hmm. So there are ways to do it, to, to build, to rebuild serotonin naturally, for sure. Yep. Yep. Are there, um, are there any things that, that destroy it? Like, cause you know, with, with a lot of these things, you can either look at, you can do things, which I'm thinking of an ana analogy with say male testosterone, right? There's a lot of things that men can do to it, to, um, increase their testosterone, but then there's also a big list of things which decrease it. Does that work the same with these neurotransmitters? Are there things that we can do that that that, that will, um, you know, that we need to avoid doing? Do you know? In the four years that I have been talking about this, no one's ever asked me that question. That's <laughs> a just, great question. It just I came mean, to me. It just came to me right now. <laughs> I'm sure the the main. I'm sure that all the main lifestyle stuff yep. in yep. the first place is going to answer part of that, but anything specifically per neurotransmitter, I'm not really hundred percent sure. Like I would imagine that, you know, if your gut imbalance is off and you're eating a bunch of sugar, right. Mm -hmm. Then, then, you know, yes, I would say eating a bunch of sugar, smoking and other yeah. things like the other bad lifestyle choices that yeah. cause inflammation or gut, any of those type of things that you're ingesting in your body are going to do that through cause and effect. Or any um, illegal drugs that mess with your neurotransmitters as well, right? <laughs> I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, yes. 
it, you know, there are certain psychedelics that blow your serotonin out. So you want to be mm-hmm. really careful. Um, I know that there's a movement for like, uh, low dose psychedelics for, you know, mental health and that's a yep. whole other podcast. Um, but my whole goal, my, my idea with that is if you're not eating correctly, supplementing correctly, mm-hmm. and you're not doing your basics, doing anything else, including CBD, psychedelics, anything else, it's not going to work as well. So yeah. like get your basics down. Like there's eating is eating, like make sure your nutrition is on point yeah. and make sure that you're doing things to support these. Um, so, I w- I'd, li- I'd like to get into the other two neurotransmitters. Yeah, yeah, for one. sure. I just, I had, I had one other question on serotonin before sure. we move on to the other two. So you talked about diet and what, what, are, what are the, are there specific dietary things related to serotonin or is this something that just, um, again, it just forms part of a healthy lifestyle and healthy eating? There are certain things that are better for serotonin building. Um, I don't have them in my brain off the top of my head. Um, we can come back to those or, or if you, if you, um, think of them afterwards, let me know and I'll put them in the notes. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I have, you know what, I will send you, uh, the, the presentation that I do, uh, yep. for mental health nutrition and you got, and so anybody Perfect. can look at that and it has those in there. And there's a, sort of a recap of like each of the neurotransmitters, what yep. happens when they're low, what happens when they're high and then what you can eat. Got but it. I mean, honestly, everything in each one of them is like greens, you know, yeah. <laughs> lots of healthy, <laughs> healthy fats, um, you know, fish oil, F- uh, avocados. fish oil, or in my case, I don't really like fish oil. So I take, um, an algae based omega three. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, um, moving on from serotonin, what's, um, what's next? Uh, dopamine. Okay. The dopamine is the one everybody forgets about when they want to throw you on SSRIs. And, uh, but dopamine is the pleasure and reward neurotransmitter. If dopamine is out of whack in a negative or a positive way, I don't want to use that word. If dopamine is, is low or high or you're addicted to dopamine hits, it can get really get haywire. For example, Every time someone likes your photo on one of the social media places, you get mm-hmm. a dopamine hit. Yep. Every time you watch sports, great, awesome, but you get a dopamine hit. That's why it's so exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, every time you, you know, all the pleasure stuff that happens is a dopamine hit. And so you, um, if that is, is, if you can become addicted to that. So you don't want too much dopamine, but if you have low dopamine tone, which can mean two things, it can either mean you don't have enough dopamine in your system, or it can mean your dopamine receptors are not picking up the dopamine. Now there's, uh, the antidepressants that sort of go along with that are SNRIs like Mm -hmm. Wellbutrin, which is a, um, it, it, it works on both serotonin and dopamine. And um, if you've really low dopamine, though, you can suffer from what I suffered from, which is apathetic depression. Mm-hmm. Not like sad depression, but like apathetic. I want to crawl under the covers and like not a deal with wor- the world. Complete lack of joy Yeah, uh, is where that happens. Um there's some building blocks that you can do with dopamine. Um, tyrosine is the amino acid of choice for all amino acid therapies. I found something that worked better for me was called mucona puriens, and it's a natural adaptogenic herb that is really helpful for building um, dopamine. It's also said that in the studies that it can help with testosterone. If you have low testosterone and mm-hmm. you need it, it will help adapt with that as well because they're, they're related. So that's, that's the dopamine. Okay. No and then what's, um, what's the third one? The third one that we deal with a lot in mental health is GABA. And GABA, okay. so the other two, dopamine is stimulating um, and GABA is the inhibitory 
neurotransmitter. So sort of the same thing here, like you can have too much or too little GABA in your body as a, you know, or your receptors aren't quite working right. And so um, you can, you, this is the one that you can straight up take GABA. Um, or in my case, uh, my, my serenity has GABA, magnesium, and some other cofactors to build the, the GABA back up. Um, low GABA can cause a physical anxiety, like a stressful body anxiety. Um, and mm-hmm. so if you're supplementing with GABA, it can like calm you. GABA and magnesium can both calm that, um, that type Got of it. anxiety. Okay. Um, we talked a little bit uh, before about functional medicine and, and I, you know, it, it brings up the whole sort of um, topic of, you know, measuring different body markers, right? Um, can, how, how do we know if we're, if we're deficient in any of these neurotransmitters or if they're, not, if they're not performing as they should? Is it something we can measure or is it more, um, you know, what's the word sort of um, subjective based on somebody's behavior? Um, and then, and then maybe that's, you know, that sort of leads into the role of functional medicine and blood testing and all that sort of stuff, which I I definitely want to get into. Yeah. So the jury's out on that. I mean, there are tests out there that you can get like urine tests, um, that measure, but it, it fluctuates so quickly that the jury is kind of out on whether those work most, uh, naturopath or functional medicine doctors say that there isn't really a test for that that's viable. There is a test that helps you. I think you, you, you've, you even told me about it, that it helps you understand like which, um, you know, which you might, uh, biomarkers that sort of like yep. you might, one antidepressant might be better for you than the other. So in my yeah. mind is like, it, what I want to say is like, if, if I took that test and it said, no way Prozac is not your friend, then what is, and then I would find the natural version of that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That was, so that's a, um, yeah, that's a DNA test, which I've talked about a lot in a couple of different, a couple of previous podcasts and I have a blog post about it, which I can put in the notes and it's, you know, for me, it was a game changer. I, I wish more people knew about it because it's a very simple saliva based DNA test that gives you a breakdown of how different, um, um, mental health drugs will affect you basically lets you shortcut the whole experimentation of which ones work and which ones don't work. I think the other thing with that, that, um, you know, my, psychiatric nurse practitioner who, who I worked with, um, who, who, who did that test for me. I think a lot of that, again, she, she would deduce, um, these sorts of neurotransmitter, um, issues both from that test, but also just behavioral things. And I remember there was some things, you know, when I, when I first went to see her and I'm describing, you know, what happens when I get depressed and how do I feel? And, you know, I, I, when I get depressed, I I like to drink, right? And so this tendency for me to uh, not like ridiculous amounts, but I would sit on the couch and watch TV and like drink six beers, right? And she's like, "Oh, there's actually a physical thing here." And there was I can't remember what maybe it was norepinephrine or, or it was one of these. Basically, that behavioral trait was indicative of something very specific on the neurotransmitter side. So yeah, it, I think the whole it thing's is. fascinating. Yeah, it probably is norepinephrine or uh, uh, the cats, catecholamines, which is basically dopamine. It was whatever. um, She gave me N-acetylcysteine. That 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 was the one that the the NAC was 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 to 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 deal with that. But anyway, so I guess all right. So. It's a little tricky. It's a bit of guesswork in figuring out what's going on with these neurotransmitters. Let's talk about the functional medicine piece and and maybe you can talk about the sort of, you know, what did you learn from getting regular blood work done and what sort of markers are you looking at and, and, and you know, where, where, where can we sort of, you know, look for things that are maybe above or below normal that, that might indicate a mental health um, issue, for example? Sure. Um, I want to start by saying that it's so great if you're able to take these tests. Not everybody can. Functional medicine is so expensive because yeah. if you take 
some of these tests your doctor, your regular allopathic healthcare doctor will do. Um, I know here in the U.S., definitely they don't do the the down all the tests that you really need. Um, yeah. And I think that's the same across um, allopathic doctors are just so different. So what, you go what to, do you mean? So hang on, hang on. What do you mean by allopathic? Allopathic is the one that you go that your healthcare provider takes you to. Got it. Your regular primary care physician or your GP is because yeah, it in the traditional UK. Yeah. Yeah. Western medicine. I'm going to give you a. Yeah. I'm going to give you. Oh, you're depressed. Here's some Prozac. That is yeah. your. You know, and and bless them. That's just what they're taught, and that's it. You know. Well, and they also don't have much time to do anything else, right? That's yeah. They're great <laughs> for broken bones and yeah. uh, other types of things, serious illnesses. But as far as these, you know, these type of things. So a functional medicine doctor and a naturopath do something very differently. Um, what they do is they start with your blood work. They do an intake and, and talk to you about everything and, and get a sense just from your, you know, analyzing what you say, but then they get into the black and white, or should we say the black and red, and they uh, draw your blood and they look at these different things in a way deeper level. And then once they look at all the numbers, then they try first and foremost to rebalance those numbers in a natural way with supplements or lifestyle changes before they ever touch medication. Yeah. So that's just for anybody who's wondering the difference. That's what a functional medicine doctor. Does. I mean, it makes it makes perfect sense. I mean, I, I guess I wasn't exposed to any of this stuff until I, you know, I had to deal with depression and it forced me to seek out this sort of thing. But yeah, most people up till then are just in the whole Western medicine kind of treating um, uh, symptoms all the time. And then when you do get into this, you're like, holy shit, this is this is how it should be. Like we're actually getting. We're going back to like, what's the root cause of a of a medical issue, and can we treat the the root cause of it rather than just giving you a pill for the symptom that you might have? Oh, and then we'll have to give you another pill for the side effects of the first pill, and you know, yeah, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're, pe- you're preaching the choir here. I absolutely agree with you. Again, the only issue I have is is it's really um, ex- not issue the the problem is it's very uh expensive so not yeah. everybody can afford it so you've got to figure out what things that you can sort of do and learn by by yourself and then and then try and get those going first and so here's some things i would say are you ready get yep. your pins um have your regular natural pa- have your regular doctor check your um omegas your um if they will which is your uh the good fats in your body um mm-hmm. Have them check your vitamin D levels because a lot of us are vitamin D deficient these days. Yeah, um, I guess I would I would just say especially people in the UK because um, of the sun. Yeah, yeah. Anybody that lives in a in a in a in a climate that doesn't get much sun, you know, yes. vit- vitamin D supplements and or using one of those sun lamps every morning are, are really are really key. Yes, um, but most most doctors now will do vitamin D testing, so just. It, um, with your regular healthcare. So do that to make sure you're not overdoing it and that you're getting the right amount. So vitamin D testing, you can start to have your thyroid tested by uh, a regular doctor and see what they say. If they say it's low, they'll probably want to put you on medication, but you can probably find the natural solutions. Mm-hmm. Um, if you do a deep dive in, in self-educate, um, but a functional medicine doctor will, will test your thyroid all the way down. So like you have a, uh, a thyroid test for a regular doctor will just test one thing. Whereas the naturopath functional medicine doctor will test like T3, T4 yeah. and antibodies and all these things. So even last year, um, I went and got that test on my thyroid, my T4 was low. And so I went on some thyroid, uh, natural thyroid medication and I was much better. Uh, so those are the things that you would test for right away. And then, you know, they're going to test for hormones, um, what your hormone balance is, uh, your liver function is a big Mm -hmm. deal. Um, inflammation in the body is a really big deal with depression. They're, they're starting to think that some uh, mental health is also from all the inflammatory stuff we have going on in the body, which makes sense to me. And then, um, 
gut health is also super, super important. So some of those things you can work on without testing and just like work on those things. And then some of them you can go get tests and get the blood work. Yeah. I guess the other, uh, from, you know, from my experience in dealing with this, it's also really useful to get an early warning against any, you know, any serious um, health issue, right? And the fact that you're, you can go and you can, you can test these blood markers to see if your thyroid's doing okay for men, that prostate is, is doing all right. They can, they're really like early warnings for, in fact, whole bunch of stuff. I mean, that's when you measure cholesterol, it does that. It just gives you an early warning that you might need to change your lifestyle a little bit. And then I guess the other thing that, that I just add, and this is really, on the on the on the men's health side of things and i'll get into this in a future podcast because i've gone you know i'm going through a lot of um measuring of my own testosterone at the moment it's hugely important for men right and i think if men haven't gone out and you know just go do this once a year get your blood markers done see where your testosterone is it's going to decline as you get older anyway um and i think we all have to be prepared that it's that it's going to decline but at least know where you're starting from and 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 that there's not a serious problem there right absolutely and if we're going to talk about men's health i just want to share with you that estrogens are a big deal for men too yeah because there's there's uh, something in the body called estradiol which is sort of like the bad estrogens and a lot of people don't have the the ability to like detox that out of their system and so that can affect like i wasn't even as a female wasn't i you know i wasn't um, um, w- this estradiol wasn't like co- going out of the body properly. And so for men, you know, you can have estrogen levels that mess with the testosterone levels, but specifically that estradiol, which is that can be problematic. So yes, yeah. but again, if you get your, with everything we're talking about, you can have your functional medicine doctor do it and or your naturopath do it, and they're going to give you a different solution than your regular doctor. Your regular doctor is going to put you on meds. The functional medicine doctor is going to try and treat you with supplements and natural remedies. It takes a little bit longer. You know, it took six months to get my liver function back, but it it's back, you know? Yeah. There's, I think there's also, you know, in, in, Certainly, my experience in, in the United States, there's there's maybe a mix of both. Where you can, if 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 you do have health insurance, you can go to your primary care or your GP and and almost dictate to them and say, "I want you to write me a prescription for these blood tests, right?" And then you can go take those results to somebody else, right? Or you can you can start to analyze. I think it's really important with this. If people get into this, is you need to start analyzing them yourself. Right, and you under you start to understand which markers are important. Um, if you're doing this on a regular basis, whether it's annually or, or more regular than that, like just keeping your own record of 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 when you're getting tests done and what the 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 um, the numbers are. And then again, the thing I started to do a few months ago is I lit I, I, I try and do this every day. I don't I, you know I miss days. I'm literally like keeping a record of everything. I'm like, okay, on this day I weighed this. I took this medication. I'm taking these supplements, and here's how my mood and my sleep uh, and, and and things like that are. And I just think it's really important over time you can start to build a picture of you know what changes in your lifestyle impact how you feel and what your blood markers do. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Are you a Virgo? No, I'm a Scorpio. Oh. <laughs> like, that, that's a very Virgo thing. Anyway, I don't want to get astrology, but um, that's a very that's. I just very, I I just a, nerd I nerd out on this stuff as as I've got into it and and learn just learned through working on my own, you know, the shit I've been going through. I I just yeah, I, you can get down a rabbit hole of of the data and tracking it and all that sort of stuff. But. Yeah, yeah, I get it. No, and then and if that if that works for you. That's incredible. I'm a little bit looser about it. I'm, I definitely have a system down of like making sure I take all my supplements and I, you know, instead of like going full data tracking, I just have a big calendar that like I put an unhappy face if I felt awful <laughs> that day, because then I can go back and be like, what was happening? You know? So, I mean, whatever works for each one of us is the, the best thing to do. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, 
tracking too much for me, it stresses me out, gives me more anxiety. So I have to, I have to track, but not quite as much, but understanding and getting my blood work done, um, at, at the, at the first doing like a deep dive and everything. And then yes, every six months for me, I try and do it. And you are correct. You can have your, um, regular GP do some of the tests. Um, and then I guess there's some that, that, though they don't do all the way down thyroid is one that i would say they don't so make sure and do yeah. that with a functional the, yeah the other thing i've done is i've i've quite often your therapist can write you a, a prescription for for um blood work as well particularly a, a you know a psychiatric therapist that's prescribing you meds um and i found that's also a much quicker way to get blood work done on your insurance than having to go talk to your primary care physician who is time crunched and you know just wants to write a prescription for a pill anyway yeah <laughs> yeah I, I have so much opinions about insurance and that but um no, yes. no, me, as, as somebody somebody that's not from this country i think it's a it's just a ridiculous system but that, that's that's how it is right we just have to if we choose to live here we have to work with it right yes um okay so, um, were, were there any, like, we may have covered this already, but just to remind me, were there any, like, really important things on the blood markers that were critical when you were, you know, when you were figuring out which, um, you know, which supplements you needed to try and um, help you naturally deal with, you know, with your depression? Well, let's just go back a little bit because, you know, when I... When I came off my medications and chose to do it a natural way, uh, I didn't understand the value of the functional medicine doctors yet. And so mm -hmm. I did my own thing where, oh, what that medication used to work for me, now it doesn't. What can I take instead? And that's kind of how I came to creating my supplement company. Um, Got it. But now, four years later, I would say that, you yes, you want to test for your testosterone for you guys, um, about all hormones, all sex hormones, your thyroid hormones and thyroid function, your vitamin D, um, your cholesterol, and your specifically your omega three, which is different. Again, a deep dive on on the on the omegas in your body. Omega three seems to if you have low omega three, that seems to um, aggravate depression more. Yeah. Um, those are the thing and vitamin D, if I didn't say that already, those are the things that I would, I would have tested right away. Yeah. Um, and then I've not done a like test like you did for like the serotonin and the other thing that's all been anecdotal for me. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, so let's talk about when you, cause obviously if people go down the route of, of taking an, an antidepressant or a, or a similar, you know, pharmaceutical, um, uh, mental health drug. Um, there's clearly that there, there, there are valid reasons to do that, right? They perform a very um, specific, useful function for people that are, that have mental health issues. Um, coming off them is a very can be very problematic, right? Yeah. So, with your experience, okay, you 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 sort of you know you were you were taking them, and sounds like the whole time you were taking them, you wanted to get off them and and take something natural instead. Had you figured out what you needed to take as a replacement before you came off it, or did you just come off it like like that no, no, and no, then no. start figuring it out? No, no one should ever just come off their meds ever. That's very dangerous. Please don't do that. Um, it's very, very dangerous. I'll, I'll show my experience. It's different for everybody, but I'll also say in the four years that I've been doing this, I've talked to hundreds and hundreds of people that have chosen to do it and how they do it is different. But yeah. But, um, the way I did it and, and, you know, I didn't want to always get off meds when I found one, what happened to me is I was on like an uh, SSRI forever Prozac. And mm -hmm. it's just, it's, I was like, why am I even taking this? Like, I'm still depressed. I don't understand why it works. And when the doctor decided to give me Wellbutrin, my life felt normal for the first time in my whole life. And, um, and so I was like, what is the, in this drug that makes me feel <laughs> so like... Did, did, did you take them both or was it one or the other? I took both. Right, and okay. I added it and I was like, what is this? It's and, and so me, my inquisitive nature, I went in there and did some research on 
why that's different, how it works, blah, 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 blah. And it worked for me for a long time. So I, I didn't want to get off it right away. Uh, what happened is it kind of stopped working because a lot of antidepressants aren't, they don't know what happens if you take them forever. Like I was on them for 20 years. Like you don't necessarily know. Like I, I personally think they were, they're made for short term usage, not years yeah. and years. Um, yeah. They're sort of, I think their, their greatest use is to lift you out of a very deep hole that you might be in yes. so that you can do the work in other you know, with other therapies or other, 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 um, yeah. With, I mean, typically it's lift you out of the hole so you can go to behavioral therapy and kind of hopefully that will, um, and, or also do the functional medicine thing, figure out yeah. what else is going on and, or whatever thing, other thing you need, if it's, you know, a 12 step program, if it's meditation, whatever it is, and, or if it's dealing with trauma and going to therapy, whatever yeah. it is. Yes. But what happens again is, you know, I'm not anti-medication. We're over-medicated, we're under-educated and they just drop us on it and leave it. And, and you can be on meds for years and you're, you're no one is really paying attention and you need to pay attention to your own what's happening. So if you're on mm -hmm. meds for a long time, they stop working. They have, you know, counter problems. Like if you're on an SSRI for a long time, your body stops stops sort of regulating it on its own and it's sort of you know it stops working i think or you don't even know if it's working anymore because you've been on it for so long so a yeah. lot of people choose to get off and then they have problems but for me um well butrin was not working anymore i had i had gotten off prozac because clearly that didn't wasn't the one that worked for me and that was a nightmare to get off of because it messes with your gut so badly oh and i didn't know what i know now um, mm -hmm. And then I stayed on Wellbutrin for a while longer. And then as it uh, eventually stopped working, um, I didn't want to add more and more and more because it's got bad side effects like mm -hmm. ringing in your ears and all these other things. And that's when I really started to do the deep dive again on what is the, what is the replacement for this specific thing, Wellbutrin. Um, yeah. And you know what? I'm going to say this. I'm not allowed to say this, but I'm going to say it. <laughs> My supplements are kind of a an attempt at me uh, to each of my supplements sort of replace a pharmaceutical. Um, yeah. I don't sell it that way. I can't claim that. But I'm just telling you my intention in creating them, so I'm not making any claims, was like, Pink Cloud, which is one of my supplements, instead mm -hmm. of Prozac because mm -hmm. it works on serotonin. And then Dopamine is the one that I uh, found that worked on the dopamine supplement. And that is the exact supplement that I use to get off Wellbutrin. Yeah. And then Serenity works on GABA. So Serenity uh, instead of Xanax. So that's just saying. <laughs> yeah. And then for, for, I guess, so for you personally, it's been super positive and, and the, the supplements have totally replaced or improved um, what you were previously relying on medication for. Absolutely. I got off, I got off medication in September of 2015. I stopped, uh, using all these knowledge that I had and I didn't launch my company till 2018. So just so you know, like I, I did it for two years and sat and developed and developed and thought about it. What was so profound for me is I was like, wait a minute, I was able to come off these medications and feel even better, be on all natural solutions. Mind you, like you said, I was doing all these other things, you know, yeah. during that time, I changed some other lifestyle things. Um, and that's well, why I wanted on, to let, bring back. Yeah. Let's just, let's just dig into that. Cause I wanted to talk about the other things. I guess we talked a little bit about um, sort of just a healthy lifestyle, diet, exercise. I guess, is there anything else that you want to add about what's important there? Because I'd also like to talk about therapy as well. Sure. Uh, of course. Um, for me, I did, yes, diet and lifestyle. Like before I got off my medications, I quit sugar for a couple months because that mm -hmm. was one of the things that was really inflammatory for me. Um, I was... This is before I moved to Joshua Tree. I was actually house sitting out here and my mental state was so calm out here compared to living in 
smack dab in the middle of Los Angeles. Yep. So part of like getting out of the stress and the high stakes anxiety, all of that stuff. And being, being you know, closer to nature, right? Yes, closer to nature. And I know that's incredibly privileged for me to say because, you know, not everybody can just like move to nature, but like making sure that like getting out to nature was a big thing for me, um, getting out of the middle of stress not working with people that were constantly stressing me out, like just making some of those lifestyle decisions. How, how has that been? Um, cause you still work in the music business, right? Partially. Which is, yes. The music business is, is still as stressful as it was in, you know, 1992 or whatever. Um, how, how, how do you sort of balance that, you know, the potentially the, the stressful industry that you work in with, with sort of, you know, keeping, keeping your mental health and in, in, uh, in balance? Well, I mean, I, I own this supplement company and I do the supplement company, um, 50% of the time. And then I take on very specific music business clients that I like and that I want to work with. And that's just how I do it. And now most of them, like I, I've fired people that don't (laughs) work well with me anymore. So, um, and some people that were, giving me quite a bit of money at one point, um, to work with them. I just, you know, you know your mental health comes first. I mean, yeah. I'm not going to say I, 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 it, <laughs> it's a str- Every business is a struggle. I just think what's great now is most businesses and work. I just think everything's changed with the conversation of mental health because yeah. of COVID and the lockdown and people are talking about it more and there's taking mental health weeks off and everybody's just like, Oh wow, that burnout lifestyle. That's so 2019. So like, I really think that that is just a different mindset now. And yeah. I'm grateful for that. There's, for there's, sure. I read, I read an article this week where somebody was talking about this sort of, you know, this, this, this huge trend of people quitting their jobs, yes. right? Because, you know, they were working from home, they experienced having more work-life balance, and then now they're getting called back into the office and they're like, yeah, no thanks. <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, I mean, okay. yeah. I, I, again, it's like financially, that's not possible for everybody. I think it's right, great. Yeah. You know, for me, it's like I've chosen also to live in a less expensive place so that my overhead is lower. And that yeah. was also less stressful, like not yeah. living up to like the, you know, four grand a month and, all, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And money is always going to stress um, a certain, some of us out. There's like, if you, I'm a freelance person, I don't have a company, but if you own a company, then you have people to, you know, answer to. It's just, yeah. it, it's all going to be stressful, but it's like, I just tell myself to shut the fuck up. Crank, frankly, <laughs> I tell myself that all the time. I hope I'm allowed to say that on your podcast. No, of course you are. But there's a, I mean, if you want to get into therapy, the biggest, the greatest thing that I ever did was, and it wasn't a therapist. It was a book um, on cognitive therapy, teaching you how to talk back to your, your negative yeah. thoughts like that, or to talk back to ideas of like panic or like, you know, to me, it's like, oh, this is going to happen or that or whatever, like all or nothing thinking. And the feel good handbook is the book that started my journey on learning about cognitive therapy Got and it. then how to do it without a therapist to start. I did it. Did you, did you try it with a therapist as well? Uh, no, I couldn't okay. afford a therapist when I started looking for it. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, I guess that's another, that's another big challenge with all of this stuff. We talked about it with, with, you know, regards to blood work and functional medicine. Well, um, a lot of the, a lot of the, they'll, they'll give you mental health therapists to talk to, but also f- I find, I find to be honest, finding a therapist incredibly difficult. No, I, I, I've had exactly the same, the same experience. It's incredibly difficult. It's, it's really hard to, I mean, you look them up. There's like you get a big list of therapists. You're like, how do I know which one of these people is is my my guy or girl, right? It's yes, and and it's <laughs> even even me with the luxury of being able to afford it and being able to have part of it covered by healthcare. Um, it's been a massive trial and error process over probably I don't know eight years. 
of going through maybe five, six, seven different therapists. Yeah. Um, and and it, it's not like a date. Like, okay, if you want to go out on a date with someone, <laughs> you like buy them dinner. It's, you know, I guess it's about the same price, 60 bucks. But like every time you go to, to see a new therapist, the first interview or the first time you meet them, you're paying for it. And it's, yeah. it's, it's like, I've walked into a therapist and um, walked out going, no, no, no. Yeah. This just yeah, won't. No, it's, it's, and then I get frustrated. So again, I don't want to discourage anybody. I'm just, I'm just trying to be really realistic about some of the challenges in finding that person. That said, yeah. I've never found one that just knocked it out of the park for me. However, people in my family have found people that knocked it out of the park for them and they've changed completely and it's been the best thing for them. So, yeah. you know, yeah. I'm not, certainly not just trying to discourage it but every time i like oh i have kaiser i'll go look at mental health and i'm like uh <laughs> yeah it's um i'm actually going to get my therapist on the podcast to, to talk to talk about exactly this because that just just the process of you know finding a therapist um just um you know figuring out all of the different modalities right there's just using the term therapist is is a catch-all for many many different types of you know whether they do cbt or or dialectic whatever it is or there's it's a fucking minefield right yeah and it needs to be far simpler for people to be able to navigate it and get to the bottom of it i don't know what the answer is i don't maybe things like talk space and better help maybe they help a little bit i'm not convinced yet i don't know we'll have to we'll have to see how how those sort of online therapy tools pan out over the next few years i'm not sure my only advice is grab yourself a copy of the feel good handbook and see if that at least helps for something <laughs> which yeah. is cognitive therapy um but yeah i mean it's not my specialty my my sort of area that is the most important for me to really talk about is the biochemical part of the body and then mm -hmm. how that makes everything else work better. So it makes your therapy works better. It makes, you know, yoga, mindfulness, exercise is vital. Um, so anything that's like, you know, physical body stuff, um, that, that can then help your emotional and mental states, um, is yeah. very key. Was, um, were there things that you that you learned from twelve step that that have helped in all of this? Are there sort of you know techniques? Not and, to shoot heroin and... anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Duh. <laughs> uh, sorry, I had to put a little like laughter and brevity into the situation. Um, yeah, I mean, I am ever forever grateful to twelve step programs, um, specifically AA and NA. Um, ever grateful for them. Mm -hmm. I am also really grateful that now there's so many great paths out there for people that 12 step programs do not jive with, um, mm -hmm. which there are a lot, you know, the language is archaic. I mean, even now when I go to it, I don't go to a lot of meetings where I go to meetings. I'm like, it's so Judeo Christian male centered. Yeah. It really is. And so I, I, I get it. There was nothing else around when I got sober in 92. Now mm -hmm. there's refuge recovery. There's like all these recovery paths. There's also a really big movement for the so sober curious or this mashup, which is fantastic for those who aren't at the depths of, dep of you know, desperation as I was when I quit. It, there's this big mashup between wellness and recovery and sobriety mm -hmm. where there's a lot of people, men and women that are choosing not to drink, like you said, because, Oh, okay, well that was my solution. And once you realize that logically, you could be like, Oh, I'm not going to do that anymore. And there's support for that out there now. Whereas before, you know, before it's like, you're either like, it's a desperate, I'm going to die from alcoholism thing that a lot of us went through, um, to get there. Now there's all these different, modalities and um solutions and and paths out there that people are choosing for recovery so i think it's great i know yeah. i went off on a tangent there but i when anybody asks me about 12 step i always have to point out how many more ways there are now um, yeah. 12 step for mental health mm, 
No, actually, I mean, you go to meetings and they feed you donuts and coffee, which is like <laughs> the opposite of what I, what I am talking about here as far as inflammation. Um, and you know, your, your solution is a power greater than yourself, which I think is true. Um, I think it really works for a lot of interpersonal conversations and like checking yourself and all kinds of things like that, which will lead to self-esteem and esteemable acts. Yeah. So I do think, um, and I've never thought about it this before in this way, but I do think because of the process of doing esteemable acts and being of service to others, it does make you, when you do those type of things and you're not completely selfish and self-centered, then you, yeah become less depressed and that's community. Yeah. And that's the one thing we have to be careful with when we get into recover, um, therapy and self exploration is this fine line between selfishness and self and self reflection and self obsession. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so it's uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've never actually thought about that before, but you're absolutely right. It is a very fine line because as you get into this, you can get so focused on your own mental state and all of the things that you're researching and that you're trying and that you're working on. And, and yeah, it's, it's, I, I think there's a lot of research out there that, that going and volunteering and doing stuff for other people is, is a really good, it's really good for your mental health. Right? Absolutely. That's why, um, you know, the 12th step in 12th step is being of service to others and helping another alcoholic specifically. Yeah. Um, so yes. And community is very, um, important. And those things actually, if you want to just, let's just wrap this all back up and say those things release the good chemicals in your body when you're yeah. with your friends and you're, it releases like good, happy chemicals and oxytocin. And so when you do esteemable acts and when you are in community and when you're, you know, trying to do things in nature, those things all release the good chemicals. So if you're, you know, which just wraps it all back into start with. Yeah. I mean, those, those, those are, you know, those are things that everybody needs to be mindful of, right? Whether they're, whether they've got a defined mental health issue or not, it's just part of having a healthy lifestyle. I guess it's also a counter to a lot of, a lot of um, sort of, there's a lot of pressures in modern life, right? Which work against all of that, right? And I bang on about social media and Instagram. And then there's a few things in the cycling world that I, that I bitch about that are basically, you know, comparing with your friends and tracking your numbers and they have a use but they are all not good for your mental health and this constant you know comparison and dopamine hits and and all that sort of stuff absolutely Um, it's i mean you know i think what what the most important thing is is to try and create balance it's okay to like use those things like, okay, your cycling, um, thing, for example, it's like, if that inspires you to be better or to do more, to push harder, great, go with it. But if that makes you like negative and feel less than and, and gets those negative emotions and also like, you can feel them. Like, let's just talk. Like if you say them out loud, like, Oh, I'm so excited for that person. Um, they look great. I want to do better. Like you can feel it in your body. You can almost feel the biochemistry and then turn around and say to yourself, wow, that guy is so much better than me and I'm not as good. And and just, and talk about it really quick. And you can feel, you can actually physically feel your body release the negative, like these negative things. So sometimes I'll feel that, like that injection or not injection. I'll feel this like, whoa, my brain is talking negatively and I can actually physically feel it in my body. And and then I'll stop and be like, love, joy, happiness, (laughs) like seriously, and just turn it around. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, is, um, is there anything we've missed out here? Do you think is, is, is there, is there anything that you, you wanted to, to, um, to talk about that we didn't talk about? I don't think so. I mean, I think, I think the most important thing is to just be gentle with yourself (laughs) too. Uh, I, am sure you'll put my supplement company in the notes. I do consultations. If anybody's getting off medication and they, in the U S 
I have, I can refer out to some functional medicine doctors. Yeah. Um, I don't, you know, clearly don't do that. Um, but I have some good ones that I refer out to. Um, but yeah, yeah. I have a, um, I have a, a friend of mine's a functional medicine practitioner. I'm going to shame him on here because I keep telling him he needs to come on the podcast. No so shame Chris me. Kelly, Chris <laughs> Kelly, get on the podcast so we can talk about functional medicine. Oh man, um, his, 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 his neurotransmitters <laughs> just got really I'll, sad. <laughs> I know if he actually, I know if he actually listens to my podcast as well. Um, <laughs> Yeah, we'll 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 put a bunch of stuff in the notes about the supplements and some of the books that you mentioned and and all of that good stuff. Um, but yeah, no, this has been fascinating. I think it's something that everybody needs to know about this stuff, whether they're dealing with a mental health issue or not, because a lot of it's just part of you know living a living a healthy lifestyle, right? Absolutely, it's where all of its wellness, mental health is all mashing up, and so yeah. that's a good thing. Awesome. All right. Well, look, let's leave it there. Um, thank you very much for uh, coming on and taking some time to talk uh, talk about all of this. My pleasure. My pleasure. Awesome. Thanks, Rinda. You're welcome. Bye. So that's it for this episode. Again, many thanks to Rinda for coming on and sharing her story. Hopefully you picked up some useful tips on keeping your brain chemistry and mood balanced. You can check out the links in the description on a variety of resources and other things that we talked about in the interview. And if you like what you've heard, Give us a like or recommendation on your podcast platform of choice and we'll see you for the next episode soon.